0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another installment of the Uncle Sacky Podcast. I'm your host, and everyone's favorite uncle, Stephen J. Sacky.
1: And I'm your favorite co-host, Rob Valeria. What's up? How was
0: your week, my friend? My week was pretty good. Yeah? Not too bad. Not too bad. You had a little fun last night. I did. I did. Yeah, you okay. thought I was sleeping. I seen you come in here with a I little, little piece of tail. I see you with my eyes. I see you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I pretended I was asleep because I don't want to, you know, disturb the romance. But but I seen you coming through here with some, with a nice little piece of tail. Yeah. Who's better than you? I have my moments. Yeah. You know? It must be the podcast. It can't hurt. Yeah, people see you on the show and they're thinking, you know what? It can't what? hurt. That's, yeah. a, that's a dick word sucking. It's 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> My week was pretty good. Not too bad. I hung out with uh, my nephews in Jersey. What did I do last night? I was a bum last night. I was in bed early. But this week wasn't too bad. I had a good time. Good. Yeah, work wasn't too bad. Usually I'm stressed out. I'm all fucked up over there, but... Yeah, I had
1: the same thing this week. What, well, work? Like, yeah, well, it was just like it wasn't a bad... It was like a normal work week. It was just sort of like, all right, work is work. and No stress.
0: Yeah, I wasn't like hating it, you know? I think it's the weather. As the weather gets better, it becomes more bearable. Because yeah. when it's miserable out, you just, you just sulk in it. And then just like the, the minorest inconvenience is just like, fuck my life. The weather makes a big difference. It you know? does. It, it makes everything a little option. bit more bearable. It's incredible
1: what a difference it makes.
0: So what do we got in the news today? In the
1: news. Alright. Joe Biden, in an attempt to quell citizens' anxiety about the gas crisis, struggled to make his point in a coherent manner. I feel like this is just par for the course.
0: Oh, yeah. You got a a little clip for us, don't you? I do. Uh, I do. Pull that up. Responsible leadership, ladies and gentlemen, responsible leadership. You know, there's probably a lot of dead guys that mailed in their votes that are looking down from heaven thinking, we did a good job. No more mean tweets. Clearly a coherent man who could put a sentence together. We're doing great, America. We're doing great. It's so wild because, you know
1: me, like, all my political, societal information... I don't watch the fucking news. I don't need to get more depressed. All my information I get from the group chat, basically, or from social media. Hmm. But just as like an impartial observer that doesn't lean either way politically, necessarily, it's just like so crazy that as soon as this fucking guy is in office, gas is skyrocketing, there's unrest in the Middle East again, even though it's technically Israel and Palestine is not the Middle East. No, but it's that the being Middle East. I don't think it's the Middle East. It is. Is it the Middle East? Yeah. What am I thinking of that's not Egypt?
0: Yeah. Egypt is not considered the Middle East. Well, it, it's very... It's cl- connected. It's the v- closest part of Africa to the Middle East. So e- frankly, Egypt is but... a connected guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are
1: connected, but Egypt is not considered the Middle East. All right, yeah, so it's the Middle East. I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah, I mean... Like, everything, but I mean like we were joking about this with the school shootings and the mass shootings that like, it feels like things are starting to go back to normal, but I don't know man, like there was that great meme that uh, that Joe posted where it was like uh, it was like a picture of the gas prices and what they are with Biden, and it was like, are you missing the meme tweets now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like did, wouldn't you rather have a president that wasn't presidential and was basically just a fucking classless jerk-off, but was making the lives of Americans better? But then, I mean, I guess there's people that would say he wasn't making their lives better. I don't fucking know.
0: Nice guys don't get the job done. No! Sooner or later, if there's more and more, there's bullshit from this guy. People are going to start to realize, eh, mean tweets are looking kind of nice right about now. He's a fucking nincompoop. Let's let's fucking say it. You know what I mean? It's fucking retarded. He's senile. Listen. That's what I don't get. I it's, the, it's the senility that
1: that drives me nuts. Like, like okay, you you're a Democrat. Okay, you're a liberal. Okay, uh, you think that Trump was kind of a disgrace to the office because of his whole persona and character and personality and the way he carried himself. I'll agree with that. The man was not presidential the no. man did not carry himself in the way that an American president but that's what was should so refreshing. but that's what was refreshing about it I enjoyed it because I was sick of the completely blatantly full of shit you know low key scummy politicians that could speak well and carry themselves well but on the low they were doing just as dirty shit as Trump may have been doing I don't really know
0: you know, speaking of uh, old and uh, you know losing your marbles a little bit, I take care of my grandmother, and I was taking care of her yesterday. And even though, uh, you know, she's 91, but she still hits you with these like pearls of wisdom. You know I get vicious migraines, right? I do. Every so, Monday? Tuesday?
1: Monday.
0: Well, I had one yesterday, and uh, I'm talking to my grandmother about it. And I'm like, hey, I got a migraine. Uh, and for some reason I just mentioned, I'm like, you know, I really got to see a doctor about this because I get them way too often. I mean, I can't just keep popping Excedrin like Tic Tacs. And people always say to me, oh, you got to drink more water. I, you know me. I always have a case of water. I drink enough water. Right. And I say this to my grandmother, and she's just like, that's just something people say to just get rid of you. Little pearls of wisdom from my sweet old Solid. grandma. Solid. Yeah. 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 Solid. What else we got? But
1: you wouldn't necessarily want Grandma to be the president of the United States. No, not at yeah. all. Not at all.
0: But uh, I Old think due she respect. With could... uh, respect. Uh, absolutely.
1: What else you got? The Israeli military baits Hamas terrorists into believing Israel... Excuse me. Israeli soldiers would initiate a ground attack in Gaza, drawing the terrorists away from civilians and into underground tunnels before unleashing a massive air campaign on them
0: this is brilliant because what they did was they, they basically did the annexation of Puerto Rico <laughs> and what I like is because I always hate hearing about this. we haven't heard about this in a, in, a, in a while but they're back at it I always back hated, at it I always hated with this them because hands. they're just killing each other in the name of God which always frustrates me but you know they separated like the fighters from the civilians, which I think is as noble as you could get in war. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a good thing. I agree. Because when when you see these videos of these women and children getting bombed over, uh, whose God's got the bigger dick? I mean, it's just frustrating to see. And then you gotta you gotta ask yourself, uh, am I losing my humanity in the name of God when I kill these women and children? But they said if we're gonna kill some people, let's trick them. Let's make them think that this guy's got the ball when really the ball's over here. Touchdown.
1: Annexation
0: of Puerto Rico. Yeah, they like took it. they they took a playbook from fucking the little giants. Yeah, I like it. Speaking of little giants, you remember when fucking Rick Moranis got beat up? That was so crazy. Who beats up Mick Moranis? He's like a- the most wholesome
1: guy. I love that man. Yeah, so He like him. literally retired from Hollywood. Because his wife because had his cancer. his wife had cancer. So he wanted God. to take care of his children. And he took care of his kids, but I think he's making a comeback. I heard Disney Plus is going to do a Honey I Shrunk the Kids show. No. Yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. I
1: fucking love Rick Moranis. He did Speaking a commercial Rick with Moranis. You know what? I can't believe that we gotta watch it, bro. You never saw my Blue Heaven, no. have
0: you? That's with him and Steve Martin. Yes. I tried to watch it. I couldn't it's get into it. It's
1: literally kind of, sort of, based on Henry Hill. Like his time to witness protection. Yes.
0: But Steve Martin, like, doesn't do it right. He just, like... Oh, too. no, he does. I don't he know. Does. I, I tried Like, to like watch he's his... not
1: a believable New York gangster like uh, Armand Desante and Gotti or something. But that's what they should but, do. No, but, he, but it's like Steve Martin doing an impression... Of a New York gangster, and it's hilarious. I got to give it a chance. He goes into the supermarket, and he's like, I I need some arugula. (laughs) And he's in, like, fucking
0: Ohio. And they're like, what's that? And he's like,
1: it's a vegetable.
0: (laughs) It's fucking amazing. I'll admit, I tried to watch it once, but it was, uh, I think uh, it was, like, late at night. So I just... I, I gotta stop trying to watch things amazing. late at night because then I fall asleep and then I just like think that like well if I fall asleep it must not be that interesting but when it probably could be
1: it's legit one of the funniest movies of all time actually and it doesn't get spoken of Yeah. it's fucking great uh, excuse me what else we got hundreds of bodies found bur- buried in shallow graves along northern India's riverbanks Navneet Sagal a state government spokesman denied local media reports that the bodies were COVID-19 victims. You
0: that know, would be a scandal, huh? I, I would be concerned if they weren't COVID-19. Right, uh, isn't it better? Yeah. Like, we, we all know that, like, they're overwhelmed. Like, uh, lately, they, they've been overwhelmed. They, they, uh, a lot of people dying. They were, like, burning bodies uh, next to the hospital. Like, it's already known worldwide that they're just overwhelmed with COVID-19. So if those bodies are from something else, that's worse. It's significantly more disturbing. Yeah. It's like some fucking
1: World War II like Stalin shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love I love it. I love the calling bit in Life is Worth Losing, where he's talking about how like when people find Oh
0: mass masquerade.
1: Well what's a dictator gonna do with a bunch of people he just killed? Bury him one at a time? <laughs> <laughs> he's a busy guy, he's got things to do. <laughs> Like who gives a fuck where he puts them? <coughs> if you just committed mass genocide on a bunch of people, like, are you really gonna expect Hitler or Stalin to bury them with dignity? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or give them all headstones? I mean, it's still terrible, but like, you know.
0: Yeah, I read that the the police are in the area trying to like do like uh, some kind of like last rites for the for these uh, bodies they found. But listen, if it ain't COVID nineteen, that's a bigger problem. That's all I'm saying. Alright, this, you know what? We, we always do tragic, horrible stuff. This is a fun story we got coming up. It's
1: wholesome for a change, yeah. Yeah, I, I like it. It fucking
0: like melted it. my heart to see this fucking cat. Basically, I'll read it while he pulls up the video. A cat survived a five-story leap from a burning Chicago apartment building. Let's play that clip.
1: What's great about this is that it like literally proves the myth that a fucking cat always lands on its feet. Yeah. Like, it literally jumped from a burning building and just, like, kept it moving. Yeah. Like, as if nothing it happened. Bounced up a little yeah.
0: bit. Let's play it. Let's yeah. play it. Let's go.
1: Oh, there he is. Amazing. Wow.
0: Walks it off like a boss. I feel like, like a fucking boss.
1: I could be wrong, obviously, but I feel like five stories. I feel like we could survive that too, but we would break a bunch you, of you shit. You
0: break a leg, definitely. Yeah. I
1: can't that, afford that, that, that. That's pretty. Yeah, no, you can't. Definitely not. But um, just. But get, I think we could survive it, depending on how we land. But we're definitely. Like compound fracture of the leg. Listen,
0: we know that they could jump from high and just walk it off, but I mean that's like really like pushing the envelope a little bit. That cat's a fucking survivor. It's beautiful. It's got eight lives left. It's a beautiful. Got eight eight lives left, folks. Yeah. All right, that'll wrap it up. We're gonna go to today's interview. Today we got author Stephen Friedman. And he wrote a book about his struggles with being an introvert, and I really had a good time talking to this guy. Really? Yeah, he's from Texas, and he's introverted too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. A but try. he seemed pretty extroverted for an introvert. Yeah, we get yeah. into all that because I consider myself an extroverted introvert. Yeah, I think we're
1: both. I think we're both like obnoxious introverts.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much. what you it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I vibe like, so like well we with Like we can feign
1: extroversion, we could pretend that we are, but we're really not.
0: Yeah, I'm faking it at yeah. the time. Yeah, but anyway, we get into all this. Very sweet guy. Let's go to the interview. How you doing, folks? Today we have Steve Friedman with us. And oh, by the way, is it St- when you when you spell Steven, Is it with a ph or a v? It
2: is a ph. Yeah.
0: Oh, all right. That's see, that's the right way to do it.
2: That's right. That's right. Everybody else has it wrong, but we have to deal with everybody mispronouncing it all our lives. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And they're like, "Well, why not a am like, "Well, listen." If you look in the Bible, there's St. Stephen and it's with a PH. We got it right. They all came up with some other clever idea that I don't know. But anyway, we have Steve Friedman with us. He wrote In Search of Courage, an introvert story. He also has a weekly blog called Beyond Introversion. You know, I find this interesting because first off, you don't seem introverted. And uh, I I like to think of myself as an introvert who who doesn't shut up Mm
2: -hmm. if that makes sense yeah yeah well you know i get that a lot um and i've been on a number of podcasts which is my way of trying to get out there and reach out to uh to others and uh so i have many hosts on podcasts uh like yourself that say you know you don't seem like an introvert and um, which gives me the opportunity to maybe dispel a little bit of the, of the myths of introversion. You know, um, I'll lead off with a story. So I, I retired after 30 years with uh, um, Shell Oil um, a few years ago and had a big retirement party and had a lot of people from all the different kind of jobs i would had over the years and and uh, so we had a good old time. And toward the end, I, I stood up and said my thanks. And I said, you know, I'm looking forward to the next chapter of my life. One of the things that I'm planning to do is uh, do some writing. So I said, you know, really, they didn't, weren't aware of it. But I said, um, when I was a kid, I used to do a lot of writing. And I was on the newspaper staff and I thought that might be where I went for my career but ends up I went down the business route and so I wanted to reconnect with that writing and one of my first projects ended up being my memoir that you talked about but I wanted to write about this common thread through my life about introversion and as soon as I shared that with this group of you know dozens of people everybody went quiet and kind of looked around and then they started to ask, you know, I've worked with you for many years and I never thought you were an introvert, you know, and and it was uh, which highlighted a few things to me. Um, one, my first instinct was ah, I've pulled it off. Right. I've, I've worked here for three decades and nobody ever found out that I was an introvert. And so uh, good job on my part. And I think that really reflects the uh, common um, culture inside many uh big companies and even small companies that tend to be very extroverted. You know, people are generally rewarded for being more outspoken, being more social, they make relationships very easily. And um, that's the culture. And so really, I think for me to survive and, and do well in that culture, I felt like I needed to be that way. And so I was that way, but as soon as I got home, I was exhausted. I mean, it was all taken out of me, the whole, all the meetings and the socials and the lunches and not that I didn't enjoy them, but it zapped my energy completely. Um, the, the other thing I felt after that retirement party was um, a bit of disappointment, actually, because I missed out on this opportunity when I was working with a lot of different people. Many of them became my you know work friends, if you will, that um, I missed the opportunity to kind of share more be more vulnerable and, sh- and share who i really was and you know statistics basically say about roughly half of the people in society and probably in most work environments are introverted and so you know i missed out on connecting with a lot of other people including other introverts that were maybe struggling to um to feel comfortable enough to share their introversion um, so it was a, a bit of a mixed um feeling that evening but what I've really done in the last few years is try and delve more into that by um, initially learning a lot more about when I was a kid and when I was growing up and when I started work, and putting pieces together and finding there's really a common thread. And I didn't know it at the time. You know, we're, it's hard when we're all you know we're all dealing with day to day stuff. We don't really think about. Um, any kind of pattern. But when I step back, I realized, you know, introversion was a big part of my life, struggling with it, trying to cope with it, dealing with it in very unhealthy ways, and then ultimately figuring it out for the most part, you know, and Can um, I so stop you for a second? What, what,
0: what are the unhealthy ways?
2: Uh, so um, so some of the unhealthy ways, uh, I, I took my first drink that I can recall at 11. Um, I proceeded to get drunk that night got drunk many times as an adolescent. Um, and, and for me, it was always I, I was always a happy drunk. <laughs> and because it really was my escape, I didn't have to feel the tension of trying to chit chat with other people that for me is usually a, um, can be somewhat stressful depending on the situation. Um, but when I was drinking, I didn't worry about that. I was relaxed. I had fun, other people seemed to have fun. So I drank a lot, I, I also ate a lot um, during my adolescence and my work time. Stressed out about meetings and presentations would lead me to eat a lot beforehand and then celebrate afterwards with either food or drink. Um, I gambled when I was in college a bit. Um, I was a workaholic because I felt like I had to kind of overcompensate for what perhaps only I knew were some social uh, anxieties. And, um, so all those things led to a pretty unhealthy adulthood for most of my life.
0: Yeah. I kind of got a similar story. I mean, uh, people, when, when I say to people that like, uh, growing up, I was kind of shy. They're like, you shy, you talk to everybody, but really, uh, the way that I doubled it is because I, I wrote an addiction memoir, cause I'm a recovering addict. So drinking drugs and my sense of humor, like I could talk to anybody if I, Tap into this sort of uh energy of just like being funny, but it's not being genuine. Like I'm putting on a show. If I'm just being uh normal, uh I I usually have a bit of a a wall-up.
2: You know, I I've um I can definitely relate um and I've I've learned that not all shy people are introverts, not all introverts are shy people, but many introverts surprising to I think a lot of people are are oftentimes performers they like to get on stage and perform act sing uh do comedy those sort of things because I think that it's um, a way to kind of put on a, a different aura and you're not in the more stressful situations of trying to just have common chit chat and, um, but a lot of, a lot of people in Hollywood and elsewhere are, um, are introverts that, and that's their way they enjoy it. Uh, they might be just as exhausted when they finish as I was when I got home from work. But I think it's interesting how, how introverts find different ways to uh, express themselves.
0: Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And I definitely don't think it's always a bad thing. Cause like when I was like in and out of treatment centers and they explained this, this stuff to me,
2: yeah. like
0: the psychologists and whatnot. I'm like, well, I mean, is it really that bad? I mean, I make, I make a lot of people laugh with it. (laughs) It's not completely horrible, you know? Right. (laughs) Like I I notice when I'm in like a a stressful social um, situation, if like I'm around people that aren't really my tribe and I just don't know how to navigate it, I'll emulate someone else. I will emulate uh, a comedian. I'll emulate some of my friends who seem a little bit more socially savvy than me like I'll find myself taking on like a different entity almost
2: yeah I, I mean I can certainly relate because I spent decades trying to put off this aura of being an extrovert who could socialize um, and I think that there's you know the doctors might share with you or or I that that there's this there, there's some kind of um, happy medium there. And I felt personally afterwards that I looked back and I found that what I was having to do, the mask I was having to wear was not working for me. Um, you know, I was becoming very unhealthy. I had um, sciatica, shingles, rosacea and all sorts of stuff. And I went to the doctor and I said, you know, why am I having all these things? And he said, it's quite simple, it's stress. It's the stress that you're under at work. And I can give you stuff to try and help it cover it up. But the only way you can really fix it is inside your head. And uh, for me, it was kind of changing a little bit of my environment and working in a more um, comfortable environment. But more importantly than that, for me, it was realizing that um, I needed to find a way to be comfortable with who I, who I truly am, right? And to, so I went down a path for quite a while, still going down the path of, understanding what is introversion. It's not the stigma that has been held for so many years. You know, it's not loners and hermits and antisocial people that can't put two words together. And that there's actually a lot of strength and, and commonality amongst introverts. And, and whether it's a boardroom or a social room, places and people need introverts. And so through that process, it helped me to actually champion who I am. And so I might go about things, whether it's meetings or social outings in a different way. That's more comfortable for me that uses more of my strengths. Um, but I could do that and feel much more comfortable than trying to be somebody else. And, um, that's, that was not an easy road to go down. And, um, and it's, but it's made a huge difference in my life.
0: Good. Uh, so, uh, i'm curious uh you said you drank a lot
2: did you ever like go
0: to aa or anything or you just kind of just put it down
2: no i i didn't go to aa um i thought thought about it i probably probably at some point should have done that Um, i convinced myself especially in uh, high school college early uh, professional life that it was just social drinking but in actuality, I was just scared to death of how I could possibly cope without having alcohol. And so I never went down that path. And then um, later, largely through the support of my family, once I got married, um, I was able to kind of control that. And then, you know, I'd say in my 40s, as I became more comfortable with introversion itself, then I'll still have a, a drink every once in a while, but I'm very much in control of that. So whether I needed to go or not, I I don't know, I would certainly not dispute that. But I, um, I've uh, managed to come through that without, um, without uh, uh, going completely cold turkey, but using the support I have to kind of manage myself.
0: You know, I could be wrong. But I think uh, introverted people or people that are that have like depression issues and just stuff like that, just people that have um, kind of a dissonance with everything at large. I think it's a sign of intelligence. At least I like to think so, because I think uh, the reason why it's difficult to fit in with like the norm, I guess you could say, is because deep down, at least this is how I feel, is we're just disgusted by it. We see like all the atrocities and it's just like, you know, why, why, why put on the masquerade for this, you know?
2: I I can definitely relate to that. I, I mean, I, I, I think many introverts, including myself have been in parties where it's like, I don't want to do this chit chat stuff. I mean, I don't even know if I like these people and you know, it's a waste of my time. I'll probably never see them again. My sister happens to be a big extrovert and her approach is, I want to go to these things because you never know who I'm going to meet and the relationships I'll generate. And I you know, appreciate that. And everybody's different. Um, but yeah, that's never been my approach. And, um, and I've, I guess I've gotten to the point in my life where I've said, that's okay. Right. What works for my sister is great. And what works for me is, is fine too. And I don't need to be the most popular person in the room, walking away with 100 business cards, I'm fine to kind of do it my way, meet a few people um, in in the environment that I'm comfortable with. Um, But I think to your point, I mean, I I don't know if anybody's ever done a study on like IQs or anything between introverts and extroverts. But I do think introverts by nature, we tend to be much more reflective. We're in our head a lot. We're thinking through things. We're weighing the the, um, different sides of issues. We're figuring out kind of all these problems before we talk oftentimes. And so I don't know if that makes us any smarter, but I do think we think a lot more about what we're doing and, and planning than most other people. Extroverts will tend to talk off the top of their head and that's a, a, a unique skill, but oftentimes they might not have really thought through a lot about that. I don't know if that reflects IQ, but it certainly is a different way of, um, of uh evaluating circumstances and thinking through things.
0: You know, it's funny. I was just thinking recently because my, my, my mother would get on me for being shy. Like, um, you know, if I'm with uh, my close friends, I mean, I could talk all day, but uh, for like, family gatherings where it's like extended family members and whatnot, like I'm kind of just like, I'm always just in a corner. like since I was a kid and yeah. even into like my adult life, I would just like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to make small talk and my mother would always be like oh, come on say hello to so and so say hello to so and so i'm like i don't even know who that is you met her a dozen times i'm like yeah. it beats me but uh, just like recently the last few social gatherings i just like kind of got to a place that i'm happy with where it's just like ma it's not happening I'm just not going to do it yeah
2: well,
0: and i'm okay with it now
2: <laughs> i think that's that's good somebody um was talking to me about their childhood experience and theirs was a lot different than mine. And you know, everybody's different, so that's understood. But I think that um, introversion is, from all the studies I've seen, you know, it's basically, it's a part of your, our personality, part of our DNA. Um, but some people deal with it in different ways. Some people are forced to deal with it in different ways. Some people, for instance, I think grow up with very supportive parents you know, hey, this, my child prefers to be in small groups, have their own hobbies, you know, socialize in short periods of time, and I'm going to support that. Um, other people grow up in a very different environment. Um, I grew up in kind of a different environment, maybe somewhat similar to, to yours, my mom, who I'm convinced she's gone now, but I'm convinced she was a closet introvert. But um, she felt like she was going to be Yes, the socialite, because back in the 70s, that's what that's what what ladies did. Right. And so she always pushed me out the door and said, you know, go play with your friends. And so I'd play with my friends. But, you know, at some point I'm ready to come home and and hang out and, and do my own stuff. And and I ended up having a, uh, I had a big closet in my room and my small room had a big closet. And I would crawl up in that big closet and I would do all sorts of my hobbies and everything because it was my peace and quiet um but instead of having that su- support it wasn't an abusive relationship but instead of having the support of hey you do you right and be who you are that it was more of a you know you need to be more like everybody else and i think that especially for young kids that that sticks with us for a long time that's hard to overcome and it's taken me a long time to kind of get to the point of saying you know i was right and she was wrong if if there's a right and a wrong and i should be fine with who i am and but that's pretty tough to say you can do as a five-year-old or a seven-year-old, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I was just thinking because uh, you're talking about like kind of like, you know, alone time. Um, I, I do like to go out and be among people, at least people that I like that like I'm comfortable with. But right. I, not to make light of the, the pandemic, but in the beginning, I kind of loved it. The, 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 solitude. And plus I was working on my book at that time. So I, I, it, it helped to just like not have the distractions, right. but um, to not have to worry about social events. I have a, a, bunch of weddings were canceled. I was just like, yes, I don't want to go.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 I think that's pretty common across, uh, across the country or the world that, you know, it, I mean, I've read articles where they say, oh, introverts have had it easy. Well, I'm not sure it's easy. Who wants to, who wants to be, you know, locked down for 12 months to, to whatever degree. I mean, no, but, but yeah, we probably have it easier than those people that you know, desperately want and, and to some extent need to have that social interaction every day. Um, so I'm not complaining. I've, I've, I've kind of enjoyed it and I think it's going to be interesting to see how the world changes once as everybody starts to, Walk outside and be with people again. And
0: um. yeah, I mean now i it's summertime. Like now I'm ready to like open everything up. In fact, uh, I, I don't I don't yeah. trust I don't trust the vaccine. Yeah. But uh, here in New York, they're doing this thing called the Excelsior Pass, where if you want to uh, if you want to go to like a concert, a Broadway show, the movies, anything, you got to show on your app that you got the shot. So. I'm getting it tomorrow. Not happy about it, but because I'm healthy, you know, I mean, I I know I'll survive the virus. I don't know what this vaccine's going to do to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, probably a decision everybody across the country is dealing with to some extent. I I got my second one about a week ago. And so you got the Pfizer, right? I'm, I'm older than you are. I got uh, Moderna actually, but um, yeah, I got the huh. second Moderna a week ago. I'm
0: hoping to. So, um, I'm not yeah, to sure. which. Want... Oh, I'll go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Uh, well, I, so, you know, I'm a bit older than you are, but I'm not really concerned about the issues of it. But for me, I just found as soon as I started to get the first and then the second one that I just this feeling of not having to worry about it, not that I'm pining over it every day and worrying about whether I'm going to get sick, But in the back of my mind, you know, there are people my age, people I know that get sick, some people that get very sick. And so it's just one of those things that I just feel much more comfortable. I'm sure there are other people that have never really worried about it or don't or are suspicious. And I can appreciate that everybody comes from a different perspective. And I think it's going to be interesting to see because like in, in, uh, Probably about the same time that New York came out with this uh, vaccine passport sort of thing, Uh, Texas came out and said, there will be no passports, you know, um, for uh, public um, uh, events in Texas. Uh, So quite the opposite. But, you know, that's the world we live in these days. So,
0: yeah, you 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 guys got the right idea. Hey, uh, did did you get affected by that uh, snowstorm?
2: Uh so yeah, we had uh we were out of power for about three days. And um so I grew up in Alabama before I moved to Texas. And so somewhat similarly, you know, in Alabama when I was growing up, whenever they said there might be snow, everybody, everybody runs to the grocery, right? We pick up our bottles of water and our batteries, and we came home and it might snow like a quarter to a half an inch or something like that. We'd all run out and and go down the nearest uh, hill on our, our cookie sheets, and then by noon it was melted. And, and Texas is even warm, especially Houston here in Houston, is even warmer than that. So it rarely, it might snow here every five years, and it's usually gone before it even starts. Um, but this time it stayed for three days. I think that's the longest, certainly that I can recall, that it's been cold and it even went below 20 which is for for us is extremely rare and so um 20 or below 20 without um without air, uh heat was a unique experience for uh for us but we made it through all right and you know it's, everything popped back to normal pretty quickly
0: did uh i know you you have children right you have children right
2: yeah. Yeah. I've got, uh, well, I've got three kids. How old are they? Uh, 26, 25 and 18.
0: Oh, all right. Now I've, I thought so, maybe they were younger yeah, I thought, and I was going to say, did they have fun playing in the snow?
2: Well, my 18 year old was out the first morning doing snow angels. Cause again, doesn't happen very often here. Um, but as much as he enjoyed that, you know, a night or two without any heat and he was done with it for sure. Um, and the older ones um, really could care less, but my old, my middle daughter is 25, ha- went to school in Boston and and was working in New York before, um, before the pandemic. So she's had her share of snow in the last five years or so. So it's not too, too special for her.
0: I, I, I hate the snow. If, if, if New York had your weather, this would be the greatest place on the planet. Unfortunately, we have to deal with frigid winters.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's why everybody moves to California, I guess, is for the weather. But you know, I'll, um, I, I, people told me for years that that I would get used to the Houston heat. But I tell you, I'm, I'm not saying I would want your weather because snow. We lived in Detroit for a few years, and you know, snow six months out of the year was not anything I was enjoying enjoying it all but um but the heat when it's 95 to 105 down here for a few months is pretty miserable as well
0: what made you move to Detroit
2: but I'd probably rather hmm?
0: what made you What's move that? to Detroit what made you what made you uh move to Detroit I'm guessing work
2: oh Detroit yeah, so I worked with uh, Shell and at a distribution terminal. So pretty early in my career, we we spent a few years up there working at a distribution plant and and uh, having our having two of our kids up there and seeing life away from the big corporate head office. So good experience.
0: I was uh, a good experience. I was going to say, was it horrible?
2: So so it was it was kind of a two different worlds because. Uh, We lived out in the suburbs. So the suburbs are really nice. Um, Nice people, beautiful landscape. You know, we were used to living in Houston, which is flat and concrete. And so the suburbs of Detroit are quite nice. But not surprisingly, the terminal that I worked at was in uh, near downtown. It was a horrible part of town. Um, I'm not sure Detroit's been a safe city in a a long time but certainly back in the early 90s it was really not safe and so i would drive on my way to the terminal and there would be chalk outlines of bodies from the night before and cars that were still smoldering from being set on fire the night before and this was like a, a block away from a gasoline terminal <laughs> so um that i could have done without but they never put terminals like that in a nice part of town and uh i learned a lot right from uh from that kind of experience at work but after um, a few years, we were definitely ready to come back to warmer weather, and um, and uh, so so we did, and we were back here for uh, quite a long time. And then we did a few years stint over in London. So, um, I, I really? often, which was another great experience. But I often say that Detroit was probably more of an expat uh, uh, job than London was, because um, just working out in the field is a different experience than working in a head office, even if it's in London, where you've got a lot of other uh, people that have, you know, somewhat similar backgrounds.
0: How's the food there? I heard the food in England is awful.
2: You know, I would have to probably agree with that. (laughs) Since we've been back and we've, back for like 13 years so since we've been back it's i don't think i've ever had a craving for anything that we had in in london so yeah it's nothing to write home about um yeah
0: i'm a i'm a picky eater i remember when i was a kid i saw some movie that took place in england and i said to my mom i want
2: to go to england
0: she's like no you don't you can't even eat the food here you ain't gonna eat it there
2: yeah yeah. My son is a picky eater and luckily he, he was able to get like chicken nuggets and fish and chips. And that was about as, that was his routine staple. But can you um,
0: go to like the grocery store and like cook, like, you know, normal stuff yeah. or is it all.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, you can go to the grocery store and you can get, you know, meat and chicken and you, you can cook most anything that you want. Um, if you go out to eat at restaurants, I mean, they, they, have, there's a, Uh, diverse culture there so you can get you know chinese or italian or indian food or any of those sort of things and that those are quite good but if you're going for authentic british food i'm not sure why you would do that (laughs) um, (laughs) i'm not sure the british know why they do that either um but uh it's available
0: all nice nice
2: yeah so how long
0: has your book been out
2: Uh, The book came out a year ago, right when the pandemic hit, the book uh, hit the market. And um, so, uh, you know, I think uh, I'm not sure what your experience has been. But during the pandemic, marketing a book is a little bit of a different experience. Probably, frankly, uh, maybe a bit more comfortable for us introverts that um, uh, but have to be creative. Right. So I wasn't really planning to march out and go to the local Bookstore and um, do a bunch of uh, um, uh, discussions at bookstores. I'm not really sure that works anyway. But I've done a lot of podcasts. I blog every week. I've been guest blogging at other places and just trying to get my uh, my stuff out there. And so it's been. It's been fun. Let me ask you
0: something about the podcast. Did, yeah. this, this was my experience. This is why I started my own is because you know, I didn't really know anything about how to market a book. I thought you just wrote it and they sold it for you.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, at first I came on a couple of podcasts and some people were just, you know, genuinely nice and just like looking for guests to have on this show. But then some people would turn around and be like, Oh, uh, if you pay me $25, I'll advertise you on my thing. They pay me $50. And I'm doing the math in my head. It's like, uh, you, you, you don't got any friends or followers. I mean, what, what am I going to get one or two sales? That doesn't, that doesn't add up, you know? So I yeah. was just like, you know what, I'll just start my own and I'll promote people out of the goodness of my heart. And
2: well, yeah. I, yeah. I appreciate what you're doing. And I think it's uh, um, I, I've never, I've never had my own podcast, but I think it's yeoman's work. It's uh, probably a lot of details behind the scenes to make it all happen. Um, but I, I, um, for me as an introverted and somewhat shy guy, I wanted to push my own envelope, push myself out of the comfort zone and do more podcasts. And so, um, I've had some of the ones like you've described where they wanted me to pay for it, even up to like one of them wanted me to pay 250 bucks. Um, and so I, um, have not paid anything for podcasts. I think that's horrible generally people that have their own podcasts are looking for looking for interesting uh, topics and speakers. And, um, and so, you know, if they want to hear from me and talk about some of the topics I'm interested in, then I'm happy to do that. Um, And, you know, some are perhaps more booked up than others. Um, I've, I've really kind of worked a lot of different angles and parts of my network to find podcasts. And so things are picking up more now than, than they were a year ago when I was uh, kind of struggling to find podcasts that wanted a new author to come and talk. Um, but, uh, so you have to, I, I think, be diligent about it, but I, I would never pay for a podcast for appearing on a podcast. That's yeah.
0: I mean, I could see if they had like, uh, some of them had already had like uh, you know, proof that they have thousands of listeners but most of the ones I was going on, they don't, they don't have that. And to tell you the truth, they, they need yeah. people to come on to the show to make the podcast even relevant. So really in reality, it's like, you, you, yeah. you, you're going to, you're going to charge me to come on your show when you need me. Exactly. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Cause if, if you don't, if I don't interview you today, I'm going to do everything I can to help you out and, you know, help you get the word out about your book but without you i don't have a show today i just have me and my roommate doing the beginning part of the show and then it's like oh we don't have an interview this week
2: okay (laughs) you know what i
0: mean i like to think that we're interesting enough to carry the show but we're not
2: (laughs) (laughs) well i think that would be really hard to do every day or every week to do your own show without having having a bit of a mix-up of different topics and people
0: yeah, it's a lot of improv. We, what, what we do is we do five uh, news stories for the week. Okay. We do a, a movie review and then we do the interview. Okay. So far, that's the, the format. It may change, but for right now, it it's, seems good enough.
2: No, yeah, that's good. I think that's really good. And I, I think it's uh, needed to have that sort of just a variety. And, and, you know, there are a lot of authors out there that or artists or other people that are are looking for a place to just share their message.
0: Oh yeah. I'm definitely going to have I mean, I, I, I want to have uh, authors for the most part, but since I'm in recovery, I will probably have, you know, people in recovery uh, talk about that. And uh, other people, I have a friend of mine who's a musician who does the, uh, the, the intro music. I took uh, a little clip from his song. I got his permission. So I said, listen, we'll get you on the show. He's got some new band. So uh, we'll get him on there. And yeah, we'll take it as it comes, but mostly for the most part, I'm going to be interviewing other authors because I see what a pain in the ass it is to get the word out. Uh, I never had, I never really used social media before publishing the book. I'm starting to get like savvy with it. I'm, I'm, I I think I'm a fast learner, but I really would like the world to open up because my target audience is people, uh, in recovery, uh, Mm -hmm if, if the world was normal, I could go to, you know, AA meetings, NA meetings. I could go to, they always have like these big, every year they have like a a big convention. I, I, I got like, like 5,000 of these business cards from my book printed out, just dump it all over the parking lot
2: right right at
0: one of those conventions. But now I got to think outside the box.
2: Yeah. Have you done much on uh, like in Facebook groups? Yeah. Yeah. The, at first, uh,
0: I I plastered Facebook, every Facebook group I could, I could hit. I would join the group. It says uh, no promotions or spam. Yeah, sure. I would just boom, put it in. Most people were actually nice. They would, they would just let it rock, especially in uh, recovery groups because you know, it's, it's a book about my addiction and my recovery. So most recovery groups like celebrate that sort of thing. So it's like, all right, no promotions, but we'll let that slide. Mm -hmm. But once I pretty much depleted Facebook, I started figuring out Instagram, and now I'm starting to build a bit of a following on there. I I just figured out TikTok yesterday. Yeah. I, I have People like, oh, you got to get on TikTok. I'm like, I don't know how to operate this thing.
2: Yeah. Well, then you're you're still far ahead of me. I haven't figured that out. My kids have figured it out, but um, I haven't. Uh, I, I I've figured it out enough to know that I need to be picky on what I do because otherwise I'll end up with like 10 different things on social media and I'll know none of them very well. Um, mm. So I've, I've been a bit selective, but yeah, I think that, you know, it depends on the audience that you're looking for. And m- maybe most of that audience are, are in places like TikTok or as opposed to Facebook seems to be getting older. And
0: one thing uh, that's you know, good is, is, is more forbidden. Is the hashtags because because there's like a bunch of hashtags that my target audience will use, so I'll just search them, and then I'll just I'll follow everybody. Not everybody follows you back, but like about for every ten people I follow, two follow me back. So I just follow people as often as I as I can, and yeah, keep building it up as best I can. What else can you do? Yeah, you know,
2: I know with my. That's right. It's a, it is a it is a long-term game, I think, um, because you, know, you don't become uh, a big bookseller or you don't become a big podcaster overnight, but you start and you have good quality information and you just pick up followers. I mean, I've tried to do the same on my website. I started with basically my family and, you know, pick up subscribers and followers here and there and and it grows and and uh you know and it, it's hopefully people that are seemingly interested in the topics and and uh an opportunity to engage with some people and so but but you have to be determined because i think you know nowadays a lot of people are just very short-sighted right i want i want the payoff now and these are not things that are going to pay off right, right away there uh takes a lot of hard work as you know yeah well, one thing i would uh i'll, I'll i would suggest you take a look at is um, so I'm a member of an uh, organization called the Nonfiction Authors Association. You can check it out on, uh, uh, on the web or Facebook uh, but Nonfiction Authors Association and they have various different membership levels but um, a lot of the information is free and they have lists of, um, of podcasts so you can uh, and they update it every Friday they send out new lists so you can go through and figure out which ones might be of interest for your topic. And then you so there are people that have said, I want uh, people to come on my podcast. And so send them a little pitch. And some of them don't respond, but a lot of them do. And that's been the best way so far that I've found for for getting podcasts. But they also have information about um, everything from writing to publishing to marketing. And a lot of it is free. And uh, so a really good place. That's probably the go to place I've had for for my writing and, and, uh, and publishing.
0: I think I'm actually a member of that, that, that group on Facebook. Oh
2: yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. But I was, when I, when I first started and I was doing Facebook, I was just relentless. I was just looking up every author group, every addiction group. If I look at my list of groups, it's like, wow, (laughs) there's probably at least like 200 that I'm a member of now. My notifications go through the roof. I don't even look anymore.
2: Well, that's excellent. I, I mean, I'm sure uh, if you're like me, you you know, you think back to before you started, and you're you're probably doing a lot of stuff that you never thought you would do, and so you've you're you're making it, and you're you're working hard at it. Sounds like,
0: yeah. You know, I I always thought I didn't have a mind for this sort of thing, and what 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 it boiled down to was, I don't want to sell somebody else's product, but something that I'm proud of, I'll sell it all day.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Who's your, who's some of your favorite authors?
2: Um, so I'm reading a lot um, about introversion from people like um, uh, Susan Cain, um, who kind of wrote the Bible on introversion about 10, 12 years ago, that changed a lot of the market. Uh, Jennifer Conweiler um, has written a lot of really good books about introversion in the workplace Um, But otherwise, I read primarily nonfiction. I like to read a variety of history um, and uh, and more self-development books, whether they're I read a book by uh, Jill Hassan on uh, mindfulness. That was really interesting and how to just kind of be in the moment and think through what you're trying to do. And so um, does she
0: suggest uh, meditation?
2: She's not as much on meditation. I've read some books that are, um, and I, I've tried it a little bit and I really haven't gotten into meditation, but, but she's not as much on the meditation itself as just on, on you know, trying to get your mind in the here and now and how you do that and what you can do to focus and provide yourselves with goals. Um, another one that I've uh, just finished reading her book is uh, Marie McCarthy. And uh, she has a website called Create Right Now, and she talks a lot about journaling and how to kind of manage your thoughts. It's not really for just for introverts, but how to kind of deal with issues that you're trying to that are fumbling around in your head and putting them on paper. She has an amazing story because she has she got MS as an adult, and she's really utilized journaling as a way to kind of sort that out in her mind. And she's off of all her meds. And um, she just kind of believes in trying to be, you know, find this serene place that she can deal with her issues. And so she shares that methodology with others in her book. But, yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been reading about. When when I was working, I never I hardly ever read a book and uh, just didn't feel like I had the time. But I'm enjoying just learning a lot through different avenues these days.
0: Yeah, when i was when i was young around like my college years not that i really went to college like i was enrolled but i didn't go often but i used to sit in the bookstore and i would read uh, a lot, a lot of hunter s thompson jack kerouac uh william burroughs uh I, i'm the same way i don't really read too much fiction i love true crime stuff yeah. uh but if if i do read anything fiction it would be like the classics like you know i always love to kill a mockingbird and lord of the flies okay
2: yeah
0: one flew over the cuckoo's nest mm-hmm. good stuff great stuff yeah. <laughs> and anyway gonna wrap it up all right so it's available uh, in search of courage an introvert story by steve freiman it's available on amazon it's also available on barnesandnoble.com okay. and what's your website
2: the website is Beyond Introversion.com. So quite simple, beyond introversion.com. So on the website, you can see my blog. I put a blog out every week. Uh, once a month, the blog is a guest blog. So I have people come on that share their story as it relates to introversion. So it could I've had I've had extroverts come on, I've had psychologists, I've had um, uh, salespeople come on, travelers that can relate. And so it gives a bit of a different mix in the, um, in the uh, weekly blogs. I have some quizzes that introverts can take to learn more about themselves and their strengths. Um, I have resources. So a lot of the books that I mentioned earlier and other books I put on there. So uh, some of them, none are sponsors, but some of them have endorsed my book and others I just think are really good reads for people. And so you can find a lot of different um, books like that on my website. And um, I'm just trying to provide some resources for others that are interested in learning and growing, going uh, beyond introversion.
0: Very nice. Very nice. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to take some of those quizzes, figure out some of my strengths. I'm still trying to find them.
2: (laughs) Sure. You know, I have a great time with the quizzes. It's really interesting. I've had over a thousand people take uh, uh, the quizzes because, um, you know, everybody wants to learn. But I think the key... Um, and what I'm most proud about around those is it's not just a quiz where you get a number, but, um, there's a lot of information after the quiz on, okay, here's what, here's what the results say. So what does that mean? And how can I use and grow these strengths and what cautions should I have? And so there's a lot of, it's all free information behind that, that people can, uh, take away as part of their own journey. So yeah, hop on there and check it out.
0: I'll do that. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope you and your family stay safe in these troubling times. You have a good one.
2: You too, take care.
0: Take it easy.